0: Whenever we were on our vacation, we went to Renfest for half a day for a, a nephew's birthday party. And when I was there, there was a gentleman who was sitting at the table across from across from us that had a Z7. And I was like, "Looks like a camera. <laughs> 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 oh, hey, hey, sir. Would you, would you say that's a camera? And so I start up a conversation with him because I can't help myself. And I ended up talking to him for like 15 minutes about his camera and, while everyone else left me. And I had to go find them because they didn't want to listen to me talk to this guy about cameras. So
1: were you just like chasing after this guy, asking him no, about was, his camera? he
0: was just sitting there kind of just, you know, enjoying his coffee. And I was like, that is E7. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. To me, butch, it was a Z7 Mark II, and I distinctly remember myself on this podcast saying the Z7 Mark II isn't even out yet. And then blah, there's blah. this
1: guy, you know, back in the Middle Ages
0: with already having yeah, a, literally in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, uh, I like everyone else on the internet is not up to speed on Nikon because everyone's forgot they exist. I was at the camera store today, and the like you you look at all the used lenses, and it's like one little case for Sony, one little case for Fuji, two cases for. Uh, uh, whatever EF lenses, and then like
1: six cases for Nikon. There's class. always there's always so many so much Nikon stuff in the used section. I feel
0: like that's the hack. You like you like, you go out there like it's all for sale right now for Christmas. You get a Z6 for like twelve hundred bucks, like a Z6 Mark One, still a fantastic camera. Uh-huh. The colors on Nikon are great. Fourteen bit RAWs, all that cool stuff. It can it can output RAW to video to a Ninja, and then you have this plethora of used lenses because nobody wants Nikon it's perfect that, that is true I'm i mean just, it, it's a good point so this guy is shooting he's shooting a z7 mark ii which came out two years ago <laughs> i know <laughs> it's the most embarrassing part <laughs> not what i was expecting you to say oh boy so i was really wrong about when the z <laughs> z7 mark ii didn't come out <laughs> Yeah. Well, what do you think of it? Anyways, he's been using it for two for two years because he bought it right when he came out. He shoots mostly on zooms, he shoots portraits. He has the hundred millimeter macro. And I was like, Do you use that as a portrait lens? And he's like, Yeah, you know, I use it for portrait lens but mostly macro. And he but he primarily is shooting on the 24 to 70 and the 70 to 200 28 like pro-level zooms. Mm-hmm. And he like loves them. He's oh man, the resolution, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about the 40. To megapixel sensor, and he was talking about how whenever he shoots with his model, that she can't hear the the shutter. And usually, her the rhythm was like, you know, you're shooting with a whatever D seven hundred and fifty, and so it's like shunk shunk. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, there's the mirror. Let me uh, re pose. Shunk shunk. Yeah. Shung, shung. yeah. And, then, and so, but now he's he's like shooting with electronic shutter on this Z seven Mark II, and she's like, I can't. Like, do I change poses? He's like, just do your thing. And I'm just going to like, you know, hold down the shutter, shoot whatever, 15 pictures in a second. And she's just like, how'd you take so many pictures? <laughs> so it was really funny listening to this guy talk about um that process. And like, it completely changed his model workflow. And he's like, yeah, whenever I, it was on a Sunday. He's like, yeah, well, yesterday was one of the busiest days out here. And I took, you know, over a thousand pictures. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. But he's using the Z7 Mark II with the battery grip. So it's got two batteries plus a battery in it. And he said he said he never has to worry about the battery life. He he can go shoot two thousand pictures, and he doesn't have to change the battery. He doesn't have to swap wow. out the grips or anything. So, full frame, forty two megapixel, pro photographer out there shooting. It was it was cool to talk about him. He just how he much does that camera, camera shoot? Uh, I think when it came out, it was comparable to like an A seven R four, but now uh, because nobody knows about it, Mark two, yeah, thirty two hundred new. It looks like oh no, twenty six hundred right now on their on Nikon's website on sale. So that's like that's the same price as basically an A seven four. Why would you not buy this over an A seven four? It's full frame, Nikon. It's more megapixels. I bet it has comparable video specs. I bet it outputs raw. So you got four K sixty, you got four K twenty four. You can shoot one twenty full HD. I don't know anything about their like I've never I don't shoot. Nikon video. I know that they pushed really hard when they came out with the Z6 and the Z6 Mark II. Well, Z6 Mark II is basically a Z6. So, man, this is really interesting. I need to learn more about this camera. $2,600 for a 45 megapixel sensor? at full frame. Yeah. With all
1: the used lenses you could possibly want.
0: Is that the cheapest full frame?
1: No, Canon R6 be cheaper.
0: 45 megapixel though. Like Uh, if you want something that's over 40 megapixel, is there anything cheaper than that?
1: A7 R4 is probably close now.
0: And I mean new, like and by new, I mean this is a two-year-old camera.
1: Yeah, so you'd be able to find a used one.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, but if you're buying used, you could buy Z7 Mark One probably mm. for two thousand dollars.
1: I mean, used, you could probably find a, a, a Z7 Mark II used if it's a two-year-old camera.
0: Sixteen hundred dollars from Adorama. I mean, that's that's a really wow. Okay, I'm interested. From Keh fifteen fifty two. Dang. Might That's, be time to pivot to Nikon. I don't know. I think it's, I think we need to talk more about Nikon. I think we need to do, do like a, a deep dive on Nikon.
1: Uh, we probably should. It, it feels like they're so forgotten, especially in
0: video. My my dad's a Nikon shooter and has been for the longest time. He shot Canon when he shot film, but he shoots Nikon now and he has a Z6 Mark One. I've played with that it, cool camera, but he was talking to me about the rumors for the Z8 and he's like super pumped about it. Mm. And I tried to look up some rumors for it, and most people are speculating that it's going to be the same sensor that's in the a7r4 because that's what nikon does they use sony sensors okay i didn't know and, that yeah and uh, but obviously like sony's going to use their own best sensors but whenever the z6 came out it was the same sensor as the a7 iii i think okay like the exact same sensor and so right now people are assuming that when The Z8 comes out, it's going to be an A7R4, but in a Nikon, like the exact same sensor, probably a different processor. So, you're looking at you know 62 megapixels, blah 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 blah. Yeah, okay, which that could be cool. He's I mean, he's kind of interested in it. Nikon's always been cheap on the bodies, expensive on the lenses, but like I said, I mean, with how much use Nikon gear there's out there because everybody switched to Sony and Fuji, I mean, Canon, uh, then yeah, it's I don't know, like good options.
1: Yeah, yeah, my first DSLR was a Nikon. Mm-hmm. I- they seemed good back then. It's just that it, it mostly seems like they've fallen behind a bit in the modern mirrorless camera, like that sort of thing. So that's what I'm not so sure about.
0: Also, probably all those used lenses are uh, whatever mirrored lenses. They're the... Whatever, I can't even... I don't even know what it is. N-mount? Uh, F? Yeah. F-mount. F-mount, right. And you'd have to adapt it. Right. Ugh. And I just get tired of adapting glass. Anyway nikon so that was a cool that was a cool conversation you think the
1: uh is the ren fest pretty good place to take pictures you think
0: yeah i didn't bring my camera in because uh the person i was with was like don't bring your camera inside i was like but what but think about the cool pictures i could take and i mean it, it
1: sounds like an ideal place to take pictures uh, like, yeah yeah
0: and i regret it every single second that i was there without my camera and when i was talking to this guy i was like yeah you know i didn't bring my camera in. i didn't think didn't think my, like person i was with Oh. Don't bring it in. So I didn't. And he was like, I wouldn't come in here without my camera. Like looking dead in the <laughs> eyes. He's like, you're not a photographer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. almost went out to the car right then. They left me anyway. I could have gone out it, to the car without even noticed. It sounds to me
1: like it'd be worth it just to go just to take pictures. That's yeah. all you did.
0: Next. I, I would like to go again because I had fun. It was cool. We didn't see a lot of the shows. We'd like to see more of the kind of the shows that they do. And definitely going to bring my, bring my camera in next time no matter what uh, anybody says. Anywho. Cool. Yeah, so I' was Renfest. Z7 Mark II. It exists. came out two years ago.
1: Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're back to talk more about the gear side of photo and video. So what are we talking about today?
0: Well, uh, same, same deal. I went on a trip. I went to the, the Great Smoky Mountains, uh, the most visited national park. And I shot a bunch of pictures, which like I bought the X-H2S in, I don't know, July. I pre-ordered it in June, got it at the end of July. Mm-hmm. And we've shot a ton of video on that camera. And about every trip that I've taken since then, I just brought my X-T3 because it's smaller. And, and, I, and those
1: were mostly trips that were not focused on photography. You weren't going to shoot an event. You are just like Yeah, I was just
0: going and I was like, I want to have my camera. So I brought the X-T3 because it's smaller. I brought one prime lens. Real small kit. This time I brought the XH2S. And so this was the first time that I did a lot of photo shooting with that camera. Like where my main focus was just taking pictures. I didn't shoot. I shot one, one video clip the entire time with that camera, which is strange because I'm like, I'm a big video guy, but you know i like to shoot pictures i like taking pictures and for things where like i'm you know on a vacation and i'm you know bringing my camera i'm going to national park or whatever and i want to take pictures to remember it i find that for me I look at I look at pictures more than I look at videos. Yeah, definitely. Like I could I could have shot a ton of video on and I this is always in the back of my mind when I do trips like this. I'm like, oh, I should just shoot video, you know, vlog with my phone or take just take a bunch of video when I'm there. When I get back, I'll do like a five minute cut of all my favorite moments and then I'll have this little video memory that I can go back and watch. But in reality, like I'm going to upload them to Google Photos. I'm going to have my Chromecast play the pictures on the TV. Yep. And yep. when I want to think back of like, oh, what did we do for that that trip, you know, back in November of what year was it, 2022? Uh, and I'll just like search November 2022 and like there's all those smoky pictures and I flip through them and whatever. Yeah, right? it's, it's
1: easier to casually or, or even passively have it on in the background. Right,
0: I just, for me, photos are more accessible yeah. than video. So yeah. for that reason, I just, I'm like, I'm just shooting photos this time.
1: And it's the hardest thing, in my opinion, is doing both. Like anytime I'm in a situation where I'm supposed to be doing both photo and video, if I'm at an event or something, I just have such a hard time with it. I never know Mm -hmm. which to prioritize. And I I hate switching back and forth. Like I'd almost rather just pick one and do the one.
0: So one of, the, one of the things with the XH2S is it has that record button right next to the shutter button yeah. and it'll record in whatever settings you're in and you don't have to worry about re-exposing or anything as long as you don't care about uh, the 180-degree shutter rules. Mm-hmm. You can just hit the record button and capture the moment. I didn't even do that. I mean, mostly because I forgot. Like, it's right there. <laughs> I could have just been like, boop, video. It, to me, it's just a different mindset. It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. So I didn't. I barely shot any video One clip, so I'm not gonna count it. I didn't shoot any video, just photos. And I want I kinda wanted to talk about shooting photos with this camera because like it's a photo camera. It's not just a video camera. It's
1: a it's a true hybrid camera, so you should be able to do
0: both. So uh I just I had a lot of takeaways and I kinda wanted to chat through it.
1: Cool. Well let's hear it.
0: All right. So I shot basically everything on the 17 to 70 Tamron 2.8 zoom, which is stabilized and weather sealed. And the first day that we were driving out we took the Skyway, the chakahuka
1: Everything out there has weird names.
0: Yeah. So we took the Skyway from Tala- Tallahassee or whatever it's called uh, down through to somewhere in North Carolina and then back up and then the tail of the dragon. So it was a windy one motorcycle roads. But it was rainy that day. And we so we stopped at multiple different looks outs. We stopped at a waterfall and I took pictures in all those locations. But it's I mean, it's raining all day right and so i got a chance to test out the weather sealing and i knew in the back of my head that that tamron was weather sealed but it doesn't say wr anywhere on the lens <laughs> and so i was You're like kind of questioning it a little bit yeah and i didn't have cell service uh, and so i was like is this really weather sealed oh boy i'm like looking at the lens checking for like an o-ring like, uh, mm-hmm, we're just gonna go for it and so i and i also like i didn't have the hot shoe cover on my camera because who has a hot shoe cover so I shot a lot in the rain that day with the XH2S and with the with the seventy seventy, no problem so far. Everything seems like it's still working perfectly fine. Didn't get any water in the camera or on the sensor or whatever. And now
1: how now how much rain are we talking? I mean, was the camera like wet to the touch?
0: Yeah, like I had to wipe it off with a towel every time I got back in the car. Okay, so it was I'm it impressed. was decently wet, but not for like sustained periods of time. Yeah. and I wiped it off after immediately because I was like, uh, uh-uh.
1: <laughs> I never know how much to trust weather sealing i i like the idea of it and i want that on my cameras especially if i'm going to travel with it but it's just it's so hard to risk it yeah, yeah. well
0: like i bought the well, i bought the insurance on it because it's, That's it's a 2500 hundred dollar camera That's and true. i like to the peace of mind to do like more risky things with it
1: well and i always think about that potato jet video where he had the eosr and he like got splashed in the in the huge puddle you remember that one no i don't yeah there was a video where he had he was testing the weather sealing on the eosr And it had just rained a bunch or something. And so he stood on the side of the road and he got somebody to drive his uh, Jeep Gladiator through this massive puddle. And so, you know, they splashed it. I mean, he was just completely soaked head to toe and the camera was fine. Nice. So I think weather sealing is pretty good.
0: Yeah. It's like, don't submerge it. Submerge. 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 It's the hard G. Submerge it. Ha ha. Uh, With like, yeah, with the rain and everything, perfectly fine. That's good to know. So, I was real, real happy about that. I did have a few situations. Uh, I one of the let's call it a feature of the Tamron lens is that if you hold it vertically, it will automatically zoom in and out. Yeah, that's why. I mean, that's one-handed use. Yeah. Right? So uh, there was a few times where like I zoomed in and I like kind of held the camera up using the the flippy screen and was like going to take a picture and it's like <laughs> and just zooms out on me. Like oh well, that's annoying. Thank you. That is annoying. <laughs> so that's still a still a problem. Wish it wish it didn't do that. Yeah. But what Jeez. I don't know. You spend eight hundred bucks on a lens, I guess, you know, you can't have everything. <laughs> like switches on it to turn off the or a lock or an aperture ring. <laughs> Sounds like you don't like that lens very much. It it was like I brought the eighty five millimeter and I brought my thirty millimeter and I I basically didn't use them. I mean, most of everything I was shooting was outside. And so I didn't need 1.4, 2.8 was fine. I love the shallow depth of field look just as much as the next guy or girl. But when, like, if you're taking a picture of a person and you're like, you want their their whole freaking head to be in focus. Yeah. And if they're, if you're shooting 35 millimeters and they're four feet away, you got to shoot it at 2.8, 3.5 in order to be able to get enough depth. So that I means a two point eight lens and I shot a lot at two point eight, but I probably mostly have a picture for between three point five and five point six.
1: I mean, I do the same thing with product photography. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking a picture of something, I want the whole thing in focus. So I mean a lot of times I'm shooting at six point three, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just don't need the uh, the shallow depth of field. Yeah.
0: I mean, I love it. It's good, it's got it has its place, it's got its look, but really most of the time you just don't need it. And you don't want it. Yeah. So anyway, and I, and I
1: guess if you're traveling, it is kind of nice to not constantly be switching lenses and mm-hmm. all that.
0: But, and also like if you're, when, when I'm traveling and shooting stuff like this, just for me, I would like the pictures to be in focus and unless I'm trying to be really artsy or really careful, most of the time it's like, I got to capture the moment right now. And I don't have the time to be like, just like, hold on for a second. I got to get this in focus mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, I'm not shooting on Sony. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the autofocus is only so good, <laughs> but uh, you, I mean, you, you just have to shoot in whatever F 3.5 or four or whatever. And like, in, and, and that's on crop sensor. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even shooting full frame. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. It is kind of a good point. I think that I, I feel like wide aperture stuff is a little overrated yeah. and everybody's like, Oh, I've got to have the F 1.4 version of this lens, not the F 1.8, you know, on mm-hmm. full frame. And it's just, uh. There are very few situations where I actually want to be shooting wide open. I use it in the dark a lot, but anything where it's not dark, it's like I don't really
0: need it to be that wide. Yeah. It's I think I think there was a big push for it on the internet for a while there and I, it's it's eventually going to probably pull back around. I mean, if I'm if I'm picking between two primes, I'm still going to pick the the one that can go to 1.4 because it's more versatile. But like for for this specific situation, that Tamron I think only goes out to F16. Now that and, could be a problem.
1: And we and we actually had that problem a little bit at the Big Ben shooting too because we, you, know, you can't stop down enough if it's really yeah, right no, outside.
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody talks about that enough. It's, uh, I was shooting. I left my ND filters in the car because I'm an idiot. And I'm trying to take pictures of waterfalls and trying to get the smooth water. And I just can't get it. I can't get it slow enough. Because it's just too much sunlight. And I'm like, stop down to F-16. It's like, wow, sure wish this could go to F-22. And yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That I would, have, in that specific situation, would have traded the 1.4 for the 22.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. And I don't think people talk about that enough.
0: Speaking of to- of shooting waterfalls, the XH2S is advertised as having like seven stops of IBIS. Right. I was able to shoot... Part of this was like whole not enough F-stops thing. But even... Ignoring that and overexposing by you know three stops or whatever, I was able to shoot down to around one over 10, one over 15 shutter speed, right around there. And like, if you're shooting when you're shooting pictures, usually the rule of thumb for avoiding handshake if you have no stabilization in the lens or in the body, it's double your focal length, right? basically where you want to be for. Your, your shutter speed so they don't get handshake. Right. So if I'm shooting at 50 millimeters, I want to be at one over 125, one over hundred and somewhere around there, ignoring subject movement. You know, if I have things moving in this frame, I try to hit one over 250 to avoid subject blur, but one over, I would shoot like one over 125. if I was shooting a 50 millimeter lens and, you know, exact thing that I'm doing here. And so I can stop down to one over one, one over 15, one over 10, which is four stops total uh, before I start my handshaking starts getting in there. Maybe I'm just drinking too much coffee. Maybe it's cause I'm like kind of crouched down on my feet and like holding the camera over here. And uh, I'm not like doing the most stable, right? whatever, yeah. but still I felt like sure. The spec sheet said seven stops of Ibis and that's, I mean, it's geared towards photo. It's for long exposure, but I felt like I was getting maybe four and, and that's with, Lens stabilization plus body stabilization.
1: I I've always felt like those specs were probably a little bit uh, aspirational, I guess, in the sense that I don't I don't know if you actually get seven stops. And I almost think it's more useful to think of it as in comparison to other cameras. So if you sure. if you hear seven stops on one camera and five stops on another, I think you could reasonably say the seven stop one is better, Ibis, but it may not actually be seven stops in real life.
0: I mean, I've I feel like I've watched some DP review videos where. Chris is out there with an Olympus camera that advertises five stops, and he hand holds it, drops it five stops, and he can get a steady image. And sure, like it's it's not it's not a b comparison because I'm not the, I'm not him, yeah. right? But for me, I was I was kind of disappointed mm-hmm. that it wasn't better. Yeah, and that, I mean that like when we shoot video with it, it you can still you can still get a little bit of jumping Uh if you're holding it still it's fine if you're panning it's fine but if you're trying to do like a natural movement that has more than just like a left or right up or down that or stable you get you still get a little bit of that like frames kind of holding and then jumps yep so
1: i i agree and i'm i'm happy that xh2s has ibis and i feel like i can notice that it has it but i mean i came from a gh5 which is which is still i think really well known for its ibis mm-hmm. and it does not compare to that the GH5 it was like i had to i had to try to shake it enough to get camera shake
0: right and you're talking about like the frame jumping not just cuz cuz that's yes. kind of what i'm talking about is like this yeah. you want it to look like natural handheld you mm-hmm. just don't want jitters yep and the XH2S is still isn't, isn't quite there fuji's not i agree totally there with our and ibis even on system.
1: the even on the 17 to 70 with with its lens stabilization I just still feel like most of the time when I shoot video, it's not quite as stable as I mm-hmm. want it to be. And I'm, I'm happier if I can put it on a tripod or brace against something or right.
0: whatever. Yeah. I had the exact same experience watching shooting with the, with the, whatever the 50 to 140. Mm-hmm. It's like at 140, even with lens stabilization plus in body stabilization, it's still a little shaky. Yep. And that's, I don't know. It could be better as it's kind of what my, my takeaway was having shot photos with it. And I, I'm like, Usually I'll let the video thing slide. I'm like, well, you know, it's a camera, right? It's for photos too. And but in this case, I mean, I'm getting maybe half, half of it. So as far as the the stops that they're saying, yeah,
1: no, that's disappointing.
0: Which you know, it, it could be me. I'm you know usually hanging by one arm upside down off a off a tree or something.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the ideal way to shoot photos. But I mean, how how else would you do it? Yeah, so, I mean, it's all part of the art, right?
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep, just jumping from rock to rock over a stream. Why isn't it stable? Hmm. Anyway. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the autofocus, but I guess I guess I want to hit a few of these things first. So there's there's a bunch of like little quirks that I keep running into with like different settings make disabling other settings on the camera in I, an annoying I've, way.
1: I've hit the same thing.
0: Yeah, but like, and like, it doesn't tell you, you're like, why is autofocus continuous disabled? I don't know. So you can't, you can't AFC while time delay shooting. So what that means is you're, st- you're standing there with your beautiful bride. And you're holding the camera out like a poser to take a selfie. Yep. Because it's the best camera for, you've got, for, right? For the gram. Yeah, for the gram. You flip that screen. screen, screen. <laughs> you flip the screen all the way around. You're holding it up. And you hit the two-second button because you don't want to have to like hit the shutter, right? So you set it on, on a two-second time delay exposure. Okay. Uh-huh. And you're like, I just want it to face detect. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to hit the button. It's going to count to two. And it's going to take a picture.
1: Can't do it. That feels like a pretty... Pretty big miss.
0: Yeah. It just, you can shoot an AFC, AF single, or you can shoot in manual focus with time delay on. Wow. And I'm like, if you're taking a group picture, let it autofocus. If, you yeah. realize, if you're if you like, our autofocus is super, super, you know, good or whatever, that then let me put the freaking camera on a tripod, set it to 10 second exposure, set it to AFC face detect, and then go stand over there with all the other people and yeah. take a group photo. I
1: agree. That's goofy.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was not shocked. I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, but I was, <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, yeah. why is, why is this a thing? So that was annoying and fix it. I don't know. That, that
1: whole thing with the settings is just really frustrating because it it seems like what they should be able to do is have it grayed out if it needs to be grayed out, but mm-hmm. it should have a little note and tell you this is disabled because this other setting yeah. is enabled. Cause I've hit that with some video stuff too. It seems like mostly with the autofocus settings. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one that I remember too. And I, I don't even remember the specific one I ran into before. But yeah, that's super frustrating. And you end up like hunting around in the camera trying to figure out which
0: setting you enabled that made mm-hmm. that not work. Another one, you can't adjust photometry when uh, subject detection or eye detection is turned on
1: and photometry is That's, metering it's
0: metering yeah. it's center weighted average weighted or whatever and that one i don't understand
1: that just seems like a bug
0: yeah because it's like sure i want it to face the tech but i would still like it to average the whole scene because there's a there's a landscape behind this person and i don't want the sky blown out and why can't i why can't i change it why is it <sighs> now did you do enough testing do you know
1: like does it keep the setting that you had it on, or does it? Does I it think force it, it into a specific. I think
0: setting? it use it. It's 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 a separate. It's a separate metering function. Like it, it, it meters doesn't, based on the face. or yeah, something? Yeah, it doesn't matter what metering you had it in before. It just meters based upon, I guess, the subject Probably based the upon face, the face, right? Yeah it's, yeah, it's 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 taking the face detection or the subject detection. And it's going to meter based upon that because it's like I'm focusing on that. Why would I not want that I to wanna, be perfectly exposed? I want to be
1: able to pick that. Yeah, like, I, that's a cool option to have, but I want to be able to choose, mm-hmm. you know, face detect metering or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it. <clears throat> that could be like a fourth option in the photometry settings. Yeah. So like meter based upon subject. And then here's all these other ones. That's annoying. Yeah, that was ooh, that was really frustrating because I, I usually leave face detect on and I'll set it in like AFC and, you know, be taking pictures of things. But whenever I swing over, I want to take a picture of the person I'm with. It's like. Oh, I have to change my photometry settings. Yeah, or I have to, like, turn off the thing or whatever. Dumb. Really, really frustrating. I think those are the only two big annoying things. Uh, oh, you, you can't set face detect uh, when you're in in manual focus, <laughs> which <laughs> that's like, that's fair, obvious, I guess, but whatever. Um, oh, so uh, you can you can set autofocus override by turning whenever you turn the the manual focus ring.
1: Right. So so like you're in autofocus. Yeah. As soon you turn the ring, it puts it in. Yeah, so
0: like you say you're trying to take a uh autofocus shot. You're, you're in AFC because you're just like in AFC. And when I shot with my Fuji uh XT three, I almost always shot in AF single. Mm-hmm. Part, and I, I did the whole like single point focus, focus on the thing, reframe. That's focus what on I the I thing, did. reframe. Yeah. And like that was that's how I worked and with the like uh, the autofocus update to the X-T3 and then with X-H2S, I've been trying autofocus continuous where you set it to all and then it gives you the focus box that you can adjust the location of with your thumbstick or the touchscreen right. and the size with the wheel. And then it has the whole range and you can, or you can do it with single point, but uh, where it's the single box and that anyways, and then you half shutter on and put that on whatever you're taking a picture of. And then you can move, reframe the camera And the advantage of doing that is that if the thing moves or your reframe moved in or out from your body from where you had it originally, it's continuously autofocusing on whatever the thing is. I see. And so to me, I'm like, if this can work, if the camera can hold on to that thing that I'm pointing it at before I reframe, I'm going to get better in focus shots. Sure. In practice. Uh, if it's not a really well defined subject, the camera just hunts back and forth. Mm. It'll just zzz, 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 and yeah. we try to take a picture of a waterfall. It's like it gets the water and then it just follows it down into the end the bottom <laughs> of the waterfall. And I'm like, just just stop it. Just like freaking just focus on the focus on the. It's ah. like auto focusing on a single drop of water. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. and so this is the situation, right? I'm like trying to take a picture of a waterfall and it's just like the the focus box is like water down water down water down like just freaking stop it and so like you turn you turn the the focus ring uh to push it into manual Mm -hmm. because that's the set thing right it's like over override into manual but it doesn't stay in manual forever and i didn't realize that until this trip where like i like turn the ring and now the clock's ticking and i'm like okay now that i've set the focus I got. I have. I have two seconds to figure out my framing and take this picture before it goes back into uh, autofocus continuous.
1: Uh, Is that? But is that true? Even if you half press the shutter,
0: that's like. I'm like half pressing the shutter, and then because it doesn't work if you don't, Uh you half press the shutter to set the focus, and then you turn the focus ring, and you're like in this weird, you know, or origami yoga type situation where you're like holding all these different, you know, button configurations. And now the clock starts ticking. And it's like, oh, I have to set my frame and take the picture before it's too late.
1: It feels to me like it should not go back into AFC until you release the shutter button. Yeah, yeah. That would be a very reasonable way for that to work. It it sure would, Daniel. That would be very reasonable. They need to put us in charge of this Fuji (laughs) firmware. I think we've got some good ideas. Oh,
0: boy. Where do I submit my feedback? (laughs) So that was frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Let's see, what else? All right, so... The autofocus, uh, I was I put this in there because a uh, because a video that I was watching, I didn't really see this as too much of a problem for me. But the 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 Fuji autofocus, if you're shooting on a really low depth of field, it has problems grabbing the iris versus the eyelashes. Even though it's doing its eye detect, it still isn't quite on Sony level of being able to grab like the eyeball.
1: Now, how close are you shooting to where you can tell the difference between those?
0: This is a problem for me in that. My significant other wears glasses, mm. and so I'm always like if I shoot at a low enough depth of field, it will frequently grab glasses instead ah, of I eyeballs. See. I see, and I want pictures of balls, not glass. Uh, it's I don't know. I didn't necessarily have that problem this time around because I was shooting at such wide apertures because I want I want the whole person in Na- focus. Narrow apertures, thank you. Narrow apertures, like you know, not even that narrow, right? Like Three point five or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so. Not a huge problem for this trip, but it's something that has come up before with the Fuji auto focus, so that's another I guess complaint. This is just me complaining about autofocus apparently. Uh, and, and on on that subject, I had a surprising number of focus misses or of where, like, like I took a picture of you know standing you know at the at whatever the laurel falls and get the falls. And the person's out of focus. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, geez, I swear. I swear it was in focus. And I think what was happening is that I was was basically not using. I was using the camera wrong or whatever. You're holding it wrong. I was holding it wrong. Yeah. So like if you set it in AFC and you set it to single point and rather than like zone uh-huh. or, you know, wide or all. And then you set it on subject detection or face detection, it will face detect or subject detect in a radius around that single point. Okay. And that way, if you're trying to take a picture of like multiple people or something, and you want it to do continuous autofocus, but you only you want to be more specific about the area that it's it's selecting from, you can use single point and af single together to do this. Okay. And so that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I would set the the focus range on a person and like half shutter to get it into autofocus mode and then reframe. And when reframing, I would move that centerpiece too far away from the person and then it would stop eye detecting on them and shift to the background. Oh. And so I was I was mixing my my focus methods of, you know, like half shutter reframe or setting it at all and letting it face detect and take the picture. And so right. because of I mean, it's just I'm not used to the camera, right? Like I said, this is the first time I've done a ton of photos with it and you're going to have these kind of learning experiences. Yeah.
1: That's why you got to practice a lot and mm-hmm. take a lot of pictures and yeah. all that.
0: So I had there was there's a number of shots that I got where I was like, "Oh, this is just totally out of focus or let's focus on the background instead of the person." Yeah. And I think that, you know, 9 times out of 10 it was because I had it in single point AFC and I focused it on the person, reframed and shot and by the time I shot the picture, it grabbed the background and I didn't huh. notice. Interesting. And I turn off, I turn off the whole, you know, show me the picture for a half a second after I take the picture. Oh yeah. I never have that cause, on. Cause I, don't, I don't chimp. Yeah. I'm not a monster.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't ever have that so on. So
0: I just anyway. Although
1: no. on, on the Fuji kit you can have peaking turned on with autofocus, right? Can you not?
0: Uh if you uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. You can if you do the manual focus override, the peaking will come on. I see. But I've had I have problems with Fuji peaking in that it turns itself off, and I don't know what setting turns it off. And so frequently, I'll go to manual focus, and the peaking's not on, and I go into the settings, and I have to turn it back I've on. I noticed that too, and I'm like, I don't know what turned it off. Yeah, like there's no there's no warning of like, hey, when you turn this in, it's going to turn peaking off. It's just,
1: for ugh. me for me what it is is that I set I set my custom mode sometimes to not have it on because I'll be shooting an event and I know I'm going to use an on camera monitor, mm-hmm. and I don't want peaking on on both. Like right. I just want peaking on the monitor, and so I'll turn it off then. And I think that 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 becomes like a custom setting virus, where like it gets set one time, and then as I switch to other things, if I have like auto update turned on or something, like it'll sure it'll keep that. But
0: this was a problem with XT3 though. Also, it would be like if I switched a certain mode or switching between video and and photo or something, the autofocus peaking would just get turned weird. off automatically. And I don't. There's a setting that triggers it, and yeah. so it's it's huh. beyond just the whole custom. Okay custom mode thing
1: i guess i was thinking about that because the peak if you if you had had peaking on you probably would have seen like oh this is in focus instead Mm -hmm. of that and when i use the camera most of the time i leave it in manual focus and i use back button autofocus to to do like af Mm -hmm. afs i guess like single point autofocus. which is fine i mean obviously like that's not good for doing subject detection you
0: could do that with continuous too right as long as you're holding it
1: i think you can that's typically what i do and i like it because i can use the peaking to see exactly what's in focus all the time. And so I don't ever have to worry about that, but it doesn't really work if you're doing like subject detection or something like that. I mean, yeah, sometimes you do just need to trust the camera, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. The autofocus was so improved for the X-H2S. And I just feel like there was a lot of things where it's still, it's still missing. Like if you try to take a picture of landscape or water or whatever, where there's not a clear subject and obviously, you know, maybe that's the problem It's like, I'm trying to take a, like a landscape photo it just can't. It can't figure it out. Yeah, and wha- yeah. also, like, certain modes, uh, which I wanted to talk about the HDR mode. I, I didn't even realize it was it was in there. I know they added it for the X-T4, but I was playing with the HDR 800-plus mode, and it just, like, the autofocus is worse in that mode for some reason because of, like, the way it is doing the bracket exposure.
1: I guess, yeah, I guess it's, like, not pulling as many autofocus frames from the sensor or I, something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's like the exact same subject in HDR two hundred versus HDR eight hundred plus. Like it was like locked on and then jumping all over the place. I don't know. It just feels like the autofocus is still kind of like you learn to work with it, but it's it's just not there.
1: It's so much better than Panasonic yeah. in terms of things like subject detection. But it's, it's not a, it's it's honestly not on Sony level. It's not
0: a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, everyone keeps saying it, and I'm like, eh, autofocus is good. But after doing this trip, I'm like, man, there's a lot of things where the AFC just isn't there. Yeah, you do see the shortcomings. If you're if you're single point focusing and reframing, then you won't even notice the difference. You're like, this is the, it focuses like that, super fast, and you you just don't notice it. You're like, boop, done. And so, like, if you're AF single, reframe, and that's your that's your jam. It's perfect but the AFC stuff isn't there
1: yeah Oh, well, that's good to know.
0: I noticed that whenever you it has the, you have the top screen on the camera and there's a light for it and I was actually shooting in a dark enough situation where I couldn't see the top screen and so I hit the light and it doesn't turn off you, you hit it's a toggle not a not a, like a be on for a few seconds and turn off I thought that was kind of a nice feature of like you flip it on and now it's, it's just lit up until you turn the camera off and you turn the camera back on and it turns off or you hit the button again and it turns off.
1: I mean that thing probably uses so little power. Yeah, it probably it's It's probably fine for just a little
0: LED. So I thought that was I thought that was a nice you know plus for the cameras. You hit the button, just turns on, stays on. So
1: I like that there's a dedicated button for that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to give up a custom button to to get that functionality.
0: Yeah, so that's real nice. And then in looking at like the back of the screen and taking pictures, I've shot thousands and thousands of images on the X T three, and I really like the way that. uh, classic Chrome looks in certain situations and this could just be like memory or whatever, but looking at the back of the screen on the XH2S at things like classic Chrome or nostalgic neg and comparing it to the, the photos that I've taken with those film simulations, they just don't look the same or as I would expect on the back of the screen. There's a lot of pictures that I've taken in playing with the camera for this trip where I shot it in like nostalgic neg or classic neg And I'm like, I look at the back of the screen. And I'm like, this just like, it's blowing out the highlights too much. Or I don't really like the way that it looks. But then I bring it in on my computer or I look at it on my phone. and I'm like, actually, I really like this picture. And I really huh. like, I really like the way that it looks. And it's almost like the screen is projecting too much contrast or huh. something. That's I don't know. Weird. I just, it looks, it looks different to me having not done like a side-by-side AB comparison, yeah. which now I want to do that. I'm going to grab my X 3 I'm going to grab the the X-H2S. I'm going to use the same lens. And I'm going to take like the same picture with the same film simulation. Yeah. And then do, do a comparison on my computer and kind of see like if they actually look the same, because it is a different sensor. And that was something that people noticed whenever they switched from the X-T2 to the X-T3, which was the X-Trans 2 to the X-Trans 3 sensor. And yeah, the, the X-T- X-Trans 3 sensor was like a third stop darker in most situations. Right, right. And so like new sensor means new whatever. And like even Gerald Undone, like comparing the X-H2 40 megapixel sensor versus X-H2S, slight magenta shifts mm-hmm. in, in the comparison. But the what two. you're
1: saying is not necessarily a difference in the sensor. You're saying that just the camera screen doesn't seem like it, shows things the same way the computer does
0: yeah it just it looks slightly different to me and the film simulation doesn't seem to look the same as the other camera to me just and that's this is like going off a memory of like yeah and it could just be a matter of like i was taking something of a different exposure or whatever so
1: yeah i'd be curious to hear if you do that test
0: yeah i i don't know it's something i noticed but probably it's probably just me kind of you know you're like is this is this right anywho the i got a i got a chance to finally use a flippy screen camera for photography for a good you know chunk of time what'd you think about that Boy, i hate it i hate it so much
1: (laughs) it's definitely not as good as the tilt screen for photography
0: i thought that that like i would love i love it and then i'd be like you know i'm just going to close the back and use the eyepiece and this is this is going to be my jam and uh, like i i want to i want to sometimes you want to take a picture where it's not like, you're not trying to, like, take whatever sneaky shots or anything, but you don't want to be super obvious of, like, here's this camera up to my face, and I'm taking this picture. Yeah. You just kind of want to, like, snap something Yeah, candid. you're trying to
1: get, like, a casual, like, like street photography is sure. the, the term. For right, that, and so,
0: like, you're holding it, you know, chest level, waist level. And with a with a tilt screen, you can kind of tilt the screen so you can see it at, you know, say, chest level. Yep. And you don't, you can just leave the tilt screen in that position and not be really that worried that whenever you're, like, Cause what I do is like, I'll wear a wrist strap and I'll hold the camera by the grip and I'll just hang my hand down and mm-hmm. just hold the camera and then pick it up and take a picture. I want to take a picture. I don't want to do that with a flippy screen, with the screen just it's like, like out to the hang- side. Yeah. It's yeah. just going to get, just going to get knocked off. Like someone's yep. going to walk past me and slap the screen off. I don't know. But with a tilty screen, like you, you tilt it and you set it and you forget it or whatever. Yeah. And so having to then having to all just like frequently actuate that screen open or close. Uh, 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 I found myself taking a lot more portrait pictures because whenever it's closed with the back, you know, the screen facing in, when you flip it out 90 degrees, you can then take a low exposure mm. shot in portrait very right. easily. And because of that, I took significantly more portrait shots than I ever take.
1: That's going to be perfect for your Instagram. Oh,
0: I know. I, I mean, I never shoot in portrait. And yeah. this time around, I, I shot a whole bunch in portrait. So that, I don't know, cool that. The tech, the way that the camera is configured changes how I shoot, but I don't know. I was, it was mostly just annoying. uh, Yeah,
1: that is annoying. And I mean, anything, anytime you're behind the camera, I do think a tilt screen is preferred. Sure. As a solo shooter. I mean, I do prefer having a flip screen because it does come in handy, you know, surprising amount of time, like framing yourself or, you know, if I'm doing product photography, if I'm doing product video, sometimes I want to have the camera on a tripod over my shoulder and be holding the object and like turning it in my hand or something. And I like the flip screen for that because I can get it into some position where I can like look off to the side and still be able to see it. You can't do that with a tilt screen.
0: No, you can't. And if you have the screen facing out and it's, and but you know, flat against the back and you now want to reposition that screen, you have to flip it out and turn it 180 degrees. Yeah. And I found myself in multiple situations where I would like kind of be able to pull the screen out or I already had it out and I would have to like put the screen in my mouth and then turn the camera to get it positioned and then frame it. Is that because you had like coffee cup in your other hand or what? I mean like I'm just doing stuff with this other hand. Uh, I'm holding on for dear life over uh here uh and I'm like, I can't quite see the screen. I guess I have to like. Never had that problem. Yeah. So just, it was annoying. It was great for when I wanted to like flip it around and and, like take a selfie of me and someone else. Yeah. I did that five times. It was great for everything else boy i just i wanted a tilt screen and for that reason i think the screen on the a7r4 is the correct solution for all cameras I, of all time
1: I, I mean certainly i think if you can get both in the same uh in the same screen then mm-hmm. yeah like that's totally what you want given that we can't get that for whatever reason then it's hard to decide like it's hard for me to pick whether which one i'd prefer
0: it's it's the classic like this is what i wanted for so long and now that i have it i hate it <laughs> but like not really because like for I love it for for the thing that flippy screens are good for, but for just photography, mm.
1: I think you just you get used to it. You learn learn how to work with it. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's there's no perfect solution.
0: I don't know. I guess if I was if I was going to go out and just take pictures, I think I might prefer an X T five. Get the 40 megapixel sensor. You're not having to deal with CF express cards. Mm-hmm. You get the, the, whatever the dials and all that stuff. I, and I, you have a tilty
1: screen. I think that's, that's easily the right answer. I mean, if, and you're, it's smaller. if you're in the position that you can buy both of those cameras, mm-hmm. then I think that makes perfect sense. Or if you
0: just straight up don't need video features, boy, the X-T5 is such a better buy. Yeah. I mean, you just, you save, you could buy whatever, a lens. $800. Yeah. You could buy, you could buy get, a lens. Get a
1: 16 to 55 or whatever. And,
0: sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, whatever. I'm, I'm still happy with xt uh, whatever that XH2S just whatever of, whatever camera whatever the stinging camera is, you know, <laughs> video blah blah blah, 14 bit etc. vlog this down the other. All right, I actually used bird detection, which I never thought I was going to do. I took a picture of a woodpecker. Oh man, and, and a pigeon, and a duck.
1: Did it detect all those birds properly? Just it
0: right on right on the eyeball. Did a great job. That's good to know. So you know, bird detection works. Never thought I'd use it. Here we are. Lot lots of bird detection. Battery life. I we I shot a whole bunch. We went up to this whatever overlook thing, and I was at like it's you know it gives you like five bars. And I was at three bars of battery, so almost halfway. Halfway, I'm like man, we're still gonna go hit up that aquarium and like do some other stuff. I need to pick up my other battery. So like we dropped off some souvenirs at the car. I grabbed my other battery, put it in my bag, and I didn't switch to that battery for the rest of the day. And that was so I, I basically shot uh, almost three days. Uh, how many pictures did I take on this whole whole thing? 1528 divided by two. There's some iPhone pictures in there. So I took maybe 600 photos total. So say 300 of that for half the time on on a battery over multiple days. Right. And then I, I only swapped the other one because I was like, I guess I just I should. Um, and I basically ran it down from five bars to two bars. So. Really solid battery life, like surprisingly good, where normally if I was in that situation with the old uh, 126W, whatever batteries that Fuji uses on the X-T3 and older, I would have had, I would have used two batteries in that yeah. time. So the new battery with the new processor was really, really happy with that.
1: Even on video, I've been impressed. When we did the shooting at Big Bend, I thought I was going to, I was, I was wondering if I needed to buy a third battery and I had brought a USB power bank with me. So I thought I might need to run off of that eventually I never had problems with battery life basically could make it an entire day of shooting with uh, one battery.
0: Yeah. So I'm just real, real happy with that. Whenever I first got it, I wasn't quite accustomed to the grip and I wasn't super happy with like how I held the grip and like with the XT3, I got real used to be able to balancing it off, off of two fingers and like holding it to my side and just kind of balancing off those two fingers. And then I wasn't worried about it cause I had a wrist strap on and I kind of got back to that same groove having used this camera enough this mm-hmm. trip that uh, I, I found a comfortable way to hold it in one hand and just kind of, you know, be able to rest it on my fingers with the grip. And so it turns out I am happy with the grip, even, I assume though, you even did, though I wasn't.
1: I assume you before. did not have the cage on it. No, yeah. no, I didn't have the cage
0: on it. Yeah. Trying to make it as light as possible. It with the, with the seventeen seventy and the, and the camera, after walking around a whole day of just kind of like holding the camera. Oh boy. Uh, your, your, your fingers get a little tired of holding it. And so it is, it's definitely heavier, definitely noticeable that it's heavier than some of the other Fuji bodies. But still the, the grip is decent and, and yeah. you can do a whole day shooting with it. And like your hand will be a little tired afterwards, but it's good. So uh, I, I talked about the HDR modes already, but I like, I knew that they had released this in an A, an X a series camera. And I guess I know about an X T four, but I didn't really I haven't used a camera with the HDR feature in it. There's a ton of different bracketing modes, like way more than, than the X T three. Like you can do, you can do ISO bracketing and you can do, you know, focus stacking bracketing. You can do exposure bracketing like up to five different pictures. And there's a lot, a lot of options, but one of the bracketing options is HDR, which is the same thing that your phone does where it takes, you know, two, three, four, five pictures and then stacks them together to create an HDR image. And in the Fuji body, when you shoot in HDR and you shoot in raw, it saves all three raw images into a single raw file. And so the raw file is like three times as big. Oh, weird. Yeah. But it has all of that dynamic range data. Huh. And so I play with it a little bit, but I the, just. Do
1: you have the ability to, to pull out an individual photo or is it just like a single photo? It's a single photo. Interesting. Yeah. I
0: think you could probably do some whatever with it in Lightroom, but. Yeah, I just, I, I I shot with the HDR. I kind of was messing with the images and I didn't notice it being that much wider, but it's it's just something that I guess I, I've i never even seen that on other cameras. I'm sure that maybe like your Sony or something can do it, but it's not something that anyone ever talks about as far as like photo stuff, or at least that I, of the things that I read. So I thought it was a cool feature. It, it basically will shoot, you can shoot an HD 200, 400, 800 or 800 plus. And what that is is it will do – that's two, three, and four stops. It's like ND filters, two to okay. the second, two to the third, two to the fourth. Sure. Right? So that means it's going to take a picture, and then it's going to take a stop at, you know, the picture of two stops above and two stops below, and then do the HDR composite. And so if you have moving stuff in there. You know, if it moves too much, it might not be a problem. But – that's two through 800 and then 800 plus it does it with uh, DR DR settings. So the Fuji will also do DR 100, 200 and 400. And what that is, is it does an ISO restriction on you. So 200 is at ISO 320 and 400 is ISO six, six forty. And that's, it's basically the same thing as like whenever you're shooting video, like it locks it off at a higher ISO to get more of that top end. I see. And get like more dynamic range on the sensor. So 800 plus HDR, bracketing shoots whatever three exposures at um dr 400 iso 640 Mm -hmm. and gives you like the most dynamic range that you could get into a single photo from what i can tell i think you're going to get better you're going to be able to do more and get a better image doing bracketing instead if you you lack it bracket and stack it so uh yeah i think you're going to get a better image if you just do like a five shot bracket and then do it in like Lightroom and post, you're going to be able to get more of like that really stupid looking HDR effect. Uh, but if you just want to have like an extra stop on the top end because it's blowing out the HDR feature, seems pretty neat. Huh.
1: I, I haven't ever messed with it. I don't know if I ever would have thought to mess with it, but mm-hmm. that that sounds
0: pretty good. Trying to push those photos around in Lightroom after the fact, it doesn't feel like there's any extra like noise savings. Cause like, you know, like room, like if you take a picture that's underexposed and like you push the shadows up, the shadows were just a little noisier than the highlights that you expose for. It doesn't, it's not like that noise is a better in with these HDR raws, at least from the, like the, the few minutes of playing with them, that I can mm-hmm. tell. So cool, cool feature. Not, I mean, if for most like landscapey things, not really what you're looking for probably, but if you need more dynamic range and you don't want to bracket it, this could, it's, it's it's kind of cool that it's built into the camera.
1: Yeah, I'll have to mess with that some. It sounds pretty neat.
0: Other thing I noticed, uh, you can change your film simulation, your H, like your highlight and your shadow tone curves uh, in in camera and ignoring the custom modes because whenever you set up something in a custom mode, you can choose if it you know applies to the next custom mode or whatever, or holds the settings or resets whenever you change it. But if you're shooting in just solely in PSAM, you know, program set, shutter speed aperture, manual, if you change like the highlight tonality because you're shooting in like classic neg and you don't want it to be quite as harsh, and then you switch it to Provia, it doesn't reset those whatever mm. S and S and whatever Interesting. settings. And so you have to kind of watch out because you might be in like shutter speed priority shooting in one film simulation, and when you switch to aperture, it doesn't change your film simulation settings, which you wouldn't necessarily want it to. But then, if you change your film simulation, it doesn't reset the the hmm. H and the the highlights and the shadows. So, not really a problem or anything. It's just something that I kept catching myself doing. Whereas, like, I would goof with the shadow tonality for one film simulation, then I would switch it over to another one, and I would forget. And I'm like, why does this look washed out? And it's yeah. like, oh, because I set the shadows to minus two or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And so, just something to be be aware of that if you're not if you're because I didn't set any of my custom modes for photo for this. I, re- I really just ran between program shutter speed and aperture and maybe like a little manual. And so it was nice that it held the setting, but annoying when I forgot. Right. Let's see. Uh, while I was out there, I, I changed my custom buttons. Oh. Yeah. Under the advice of a YouTuber, I set the, because by default, the, the autofocus is the front button, the front bottom button uh, where it's where it is on all the other Fuji cameras. That's a manual switch. And I switched it to the back D-pad so that yeah, I can easily like tap the back down button and then tap it again to start scrolling through mm-hmm. and easily change the autofocus. And I was switching autofocus around a lot for this, just between AFs and continuous and manual. And I just found I found it annoying. Like if I'm holding because I have the flippy screen closed because it's annoying, and so I'm holding it up to my eye and I want to change the autofocus, but I need to be able to see what I'm doing because it's not a manual switch. And holding it up to my up to my eye to look through the viewfinder and then reaching down and m- m- toggling the D-pad thing is awkward and weird. And I just, I, I don't know, I didn't like doing it. And so what I ended up doing was I switched it to the front ring finger button, the one that's by the grip, to change that to the autofocus. And so um, when I'm holding it up to my eye, I can push that button. And then scroll with the back wheel.
1: Oh, I didn't think about using the wheel. Yeah, that's so
0: you cool. can use the wheels to toggle through it. That's and so that's, that
1: that's pretty convenient.
0: Yeah, so that worked out way better because I can okay. like be in position to take the picture with the camera up to my eye, hit and hit that ring finger button really easily. I don't have to, like reach up on top or like yeah. find the button on the back. It's the only button on the front. It's right by my finger, and so I hit okay. it scroll the wheel one click and then half press the shutter and i'm out of the menu
1: i might have to try that so that sounds pretty useful yeah would, they, would you do that for video too you think
0: i mean it's the same i didn't i guess you can have separate I think uh, buttons you can. you can yeah i'm gonna do the same thing for video yeah, it's no. I, I don't want to have different custom mode buttons because i mean i'm gonna end up reaching for the wrong button at the wrong time right right so that's to me like that was better and so i moved my focus check back to the um auto exposure button um, cause I previously had auto exposure set to photometry and then I changed my D pad buttons to match exactly to my X T three again. Oh, okay. so those are the same on both cameras. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then auto exposure is now photometry and then the the front button is my autofocus. So cool. I think I'm going to be happy with that. I just, it feels way more natural for me whenever, like just how I'm using it, because if I had, if I was using the back screen, all the time to take the pictures then the the down button thing would make a ton of sense but because i'm like usually i'm just keeping that close and i'm putting it up to my Mm -hmm. eye to take the picture because that the viewfinder is really good
1: that makes sense i guess the the big question i'm curious about after all this discussion is now that you've used xh2s for photos do you think that for future trips would you take that for a primarily photo focused thing or would you use the xt3
0: i think it comes down to how light i want my setup to be the xt3 with my 30 millimeter lens will fit in my peak design tech pouch yeah and that's great like i just put those two things in there and i don't even have to think about it Mm -hmm. right and then i can just put it in a bag so if it's like really not photo focused i'm not going to bring those but the i mean it's it's a new sensor it's a better sensor and stacks and all that cool stuff. And the XH2S has more, it's got, has better autofocus Has news film simulations that the X23 just don't have. So like, I can't shoot a nostalgic neg or whatever. And I don't know, it's like there's enough new features in the XH2S that it's better for me for photo Okay. with like the bracketing and stuff. And so I think that like any sort of big trip that I take, I'm going to bring that camera instead. But I mean, <laughs> I was when I was packing for this, I almost brought the X-T3. Yeah, I, I had just, everything just packed and I was the, like, I was like, I could just, I could just put the body cap on this and slide this in my bag and bring both cameras <laughs> and I, I put it in my bag and I was like, don't do this <laughs> <laughs> too far. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I like had the batteries and everything packed and I'm like, no, no, it's a bad idea because <laughs> sometimes it's just easier to carry that camera. Yeah, it's not that much smaller. Like you compare the two, and they're you know close. They're not. Re- it's not really that much like. Just use the newer, better camera. You spent twenty five freaking hundred dollars on it. Like it's a better ca- like. And I keep reaching for the other one. Yeah. Because I'm so used to it, and it's just it's just wonderful. So I don't know. I I'm definitely gonna bring the XH2S with me, but there's gonna be times where the X2 just makes more sense. Sure. Sure. That I do sense. think long-term I will probably sell the X-T3 and upgrade it to an X-T5. Like, you know, a year or two down the line, yeah. right? When the X-T3 is six years old mm-hmm. or five years old or something. And I'm like, okay, it's time to upgrade this thing. It is worn to the teeth. Let's sell it and get an X-T5. With the X-T5 looks really good. It's it's smaller. It uses the newer batteries. It has a 40 megapixel sensor. Like that X-T5 is, is really appealing as just like just a travel photo camera. Yeah
1: if so, if it goes down a little bit in price or if you get it on sale or something that'd be i yeah. can see that making a I, lot of sense yeah
0: i could i could see it like two years from now or something year and a half or whatever sell the XT3 for whatever 600 bucks and then buy a used XT5 for $1200 yep. yeah I,
1: I think that makes and a lot that, of sense yeah
0: and then that's that's a nice that's a nice upgrade $600 out the door kind of thing yep. i think i think that's that's the trade that i would make kind of down the line and yeah it's going to pair really well with the XH2S as far as yeah. the video features. So,
1: well, I'm glad you got to try it on photos. And, yeah, you know, like you said, we both shoot a lot of video. Um, I've done some product photos with my XH2S, but not a lot of photos generally. And that's something I've really been wanting to do is just go out and shoot more photos with the camera. So it's good that you got that chance.
0: Yep, and I've been I've been working through a lot of the pictures in Lightroom, kind of you know finally just getting into it, editing some of the photos, and I've been really happy with a lot of the shots. I mean, you can really push those RAWs around that Fuji puts out, and it all looks, it all looks really good. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. Very happy with the colors. I mean, it's just classic Fuji stuff. So I wouldn't say the photos are night and day. Like when I switched from the GX7 to the XT3, the quality of the photos from that Panasonic to the Fuji was, it was this huge. Yeah, I remember that, I was, that blew you away. I was shocked at how much better the pictures were. That was one of the reasons I fell in love with that camera. The xh2s from the xt3 i guess they're better but i mean i might be hard pressed to like pick the two pictures apart they're the same 26 megapixels and it's the same camera company and like the xt3 is still a really good camera yeah and you can you can find them cheap too
1: yeah, that's great that it held up that way
0: yeah yeah i'm just i'm really happy with it still and i think i'm gonna be happy with these pictures at least the ones that i've gone through so far you know Great noise performance. It all just seems really decent, apart from the autofocus mishaps and right. and that sort of thing. Otherwise, you know, pretty happy with everything so far. And if I have any more impressions after I'm done going through everything, I'll I'll let you know. Cool. I Deal. did I did upgrade Lightroom before I started editing these pictures. Uh-huh. And Lightroom Classic, they rolled out more of the masking features, which and they're like. stupid.
1: Stupid good. That's like the the, the AI maskings. I was yeah, using.
0: like I took I took a picture of my wife and her hair is like blue and in the wind because it was windy, and I did the background detect and it detected it like skipped the strands of hair wow. like finger width strands of hair kind of in the air. Uh-huh. It was like oh that's the subject. I got the background behind you. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, this is so good. (laughs) I just, I couldn't, I can't believe how good it is. That's cool. That it's like, you can select the background or the sky or your subject. And that's why I don't use capture one. Yeah. It's like the, the, The features, those editing like smart features in in Lightroom are, they've gotten really, really good.
1: I mean, Lightroom is a great program. And I know sometimes you've had trouble with Fuji Raws in there, but I mean, it just, it's so easy to use, works really well,
0: uses a ton of RAM. Like, it seems great. Yeah. Well, like, that's that, the the Fuji thing is always the, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, these pictures could look better in a different photo editing software. Cause like the, it just, Lightroom still hasn't quite figured out the demosaicing. That, that Fuji does in camera like Fuji's ability to figure out wh- you know, where you have that quad green pixels in the X trans array of like what color that actually is mm-hmm. still just, it's better than Lightroom. If you, depending upon, like if you're really, you know, most of the time, like 99% of the time your pictures in Lightroom are going to look great. And, but if you zoom into whatever 800%, like sometimes the details can look wormy in some recent situations. And if you do like a DNG conversion or whatever and you let Lightroom do the demosaicing, you can find spots where like say like lips touch teeth where the teeth are red instead of uh, white it doesn't, because because, like on the, like get really down there to the pixel level. It's just not the same bare array. And there's spots where you have four green pixels next to each other. And it's like, is that pixel green or red or orange or whatever? Right. And if you don't have a really good algorithm, you can get it wrong. And Lightroom's just still isn't on the same level as Fuji's JPEGs mm-hmm. and camera. That's a shame, but it's like, that's always the battle, right? It's like capture one's going to be better than Lightroom for Fuji images, but the library stuff and the, the subject detection and all the features in Lightroom are so much better that it's yeah. like, you kind of have to pick which one you want. And I mean, that's why I edit up with Lightroom, but yeah, I don't know. I wish that, I wish that they would work with Fuji and kind of, i don't get get a better improve their x-trans algorithm or whatever yeah
1: yeah it seems like why not try to make it a better experience
0: Mm -hmm. it's just it's a shame because like the fuji jpegs are so good but that's and that's the battle for you when you shoot fuji is like just like pick your film simulation and if you shoot in jpeg you're not gonna have to edit in lightroom or anything because like you're just gonna be happy with your images i don't know Whew, that was a lot
1: that was a lot you got a lot of thoughts Sure do. That's going to do it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed it, we'd encourage you to rate us on iTunes and tell your photography friends about the show. Also, check out our website at cameragearpodcast.com to learn more or send us feedback and questions. We'll be back with more next week.